there's a part of me that wanted to walk up and Brian was speaking, we were at the end of the song, and I wanted to say to you, here it is, God's goodness is running after us, and that there, yet there are some of you that are running from him. I pray that if that's you today, that you'd stop in your tracks and you'd recognize his goodness and how deeply he loves you. Amen? My daughter gets all of her talent from me, so you know that. <laughs> it's really her mama, right? And so, uh, you know, uh, I say this all the time, it's almost like a broken record. We are blessed with incredible musicians and singers here. And we're very thankful. You, for those of you that call Heritage home, you may not understand. You may think this is commonplace in most places of worship, but it's not. We're just extremely blessed. You make sure that when you see those who participate in sound or lights or on stage or musical instruments, you tell them how much we appreciate them using their talents for the Lord. Amen? Amen. Very much so. Um, I, uh, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 15. We're going to pick up where we, where we left off a couple of weeks ago. Did, by the way, did you enjoy Brad Ertig last week? Yeah, he, he sent me a text. We were texting back and forth yesterday, and <laughs> I was teasing, but... He said, Sid, you're, this, this church, the Heritage family, now holds a special place in our hearts. And uh, I'm like, yeah, you say that to every place you go. And, uh, but we sat with them. We had the privilege of sitting with them the other day and spending time with them and uh, over tears. I told them, they didn't believe me. I told them, I said, these are great people. You'll find that out. And Brittany in tears said, we found that out. Thank you for your kindness to them and for your ministry to them and for your support and prayers. I want to I mention a word to you this morning, uh, Missio Dei. It's a word that means the mission of God. It's the sending of God. It was the coming of Jesus uh, to accomplish God's ultimate purpose. That humanity and its sin was broken. Jesus came to redeem, to restore um, man back to himself through the cross. It also refers to the church and the mission that we have been given. See, God's desire isn't as his children that we just sit on the sidelines and, and uh, in our pads on the, on the football field, but that we get in the game. And that as God's children in God's kingdom, there's, a, there's, a, there's God's agenda. There's God's kingdom purpose. There's God's mission that we are supposed to be about, and yet so many times it's so easy for us to become distracted from that mission. We're going to be reading about that today because there's hope that we have in Christ. And as the church, the body of Christ, we have the responsibility, the privilege, the obligation, the opportunity to be able to share Jesus with the lost world that's around us. Amen? Excuse me, let me go back and say that one more time. I think that deserves an amen someplace, right? Say amen. amen. 
So look to the person, since you didn't follow up on me, look to the person on your left and say, I've got a responsibility. You do have a responsibility. And I pray that when we're done here today, that there will be a great sense of urgency to fulfill that. I'd like to read to you today from Romans chapter 15, verses 14 through 33. I'm not going to read all of that. Um, right now, I'm just going to read through verse 21, but we'll make our way all the way through verse 33 this morning. And this is what Paul writes as he's writing to the church. Now we're moving towards the end, right? We only have a few weeks left and we'll be done with the book of Romans. But through this, man, it's been so rich and there's been so much that I feel like I myself have learned and I pray that you've, you've been able to, to gain something through this time. But this is what Paul writes to the believers there at Rome in chapter 15, verse 14 and following. I am fully convinced, my dear brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness. You know these things um, so well that you can teach each other about, all about them. Even so, I've been bold enough to write about some of these points, knowing that all of you, all you need is this reminder, for by God's grace, for by God's grace, I'm a special, I'm a special messenger from Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. I bring you this good news so that I might present you as an acceptable offering to God made holy by the Holy Spirit. So I have reason to be enthusiastic about all that Christ Jesus has done through me in my service to God. Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and all by the way I worked among them. They were convinced by the power of the miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of, of Christ has never been heard rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. I have been following the plan spoken of in the scriptures where it says, those who have never been told about him will see and those who have never heard about him will understand. Would you pray with me today? Father, I'm thankful for this word, this word that was written 2,000 years ago by Paul to the church at Rome. And yet, even though written then, it still is applicable for us today. I am very mindful today that as we meet and gather in this place, as well as those listening, that there are there are different people at different stages and seasons of life, some that have been believers for a long period of time that are seasoned in their faith. There are others that are, Father, just they may be young in their faith or not even believers at all. And today there's something inside of these scriptures that, that Paul writes that is applicable for every one of us. Help us to hear today, for, to not just to hear, but to be willing to seek to trust you to surrender and to yield our lives to you, to say, Jesus, what is it you're looking from me? What is it you want from me? And be willing to respond faithfully. I pray for your presence in this room today. We need it. And I'm reminded that as I pray today of those that are wrestling with physical ailments and illnesses, disease, those that are in the hospitals, those are as well as at home that are, that are trying to recover. Help us to be mindful of that as a church family to continue to pray for them for healing in their lives. Thank you, Jesus, for the blessings of being here today. May we now, may we pay attention to your word and your word alone in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so here's Paul. Paul's writing about his, his mission status. Uh, we've made it until this point, and now Paul's going to be talking about the mission, what he's, what he's all about. And the big idea today would be maybe something along this line that we should be willing to share Jesus with those who don't know him. 
You know, when I ask that, when I make that statement, we should be willing to share Jesus with those that don't know him. Do you know of people that don't know Jesus? Are you willing to share the hope that you say that you have as a professing believer and follower of Christ? And so up front, Paul shares his, his mission status, what's going on in his life. And look at what he says there in verse 14 as he affirms as well as challenges the believers in Rome. In 14 and 15, this is what Paul said in verse 14 to begin with, I am fully convinced, my dear brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness. You know these things so well that you can teach each other about, about them. And so it's like Paul is writing to say, okay, guys, I don't know you know you because I haven't met you personally, but I've heard about you. And I just want you to know what I've heard is it sounds like you guys are all in for Jesus. And then he gives some qualities that he, that he, that he, that he gives that would be great qualities of a vibrant or healthy church, that of goodness, that of knowledge and the ability to instruct others. In other words, words on the street that you guys are, are good, that you're righteous, that you're morally pure, which is a, a presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Somebody was saying to me the other day, he said, I, y'all have some great people at Heritage. There's some good people at Heritage. There's some kind people at Heritage. And I, well, I said, well, yeah. I said, man, I don't like nasty people. I mean, the church should be filled with good people, right? I mean, that should be the testimony of every one of us that call ourselves followers of Christ. That the, 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 uh, the adjective that would be de- declared good. Those are good people. But Paul just didn't stop there, but he said they're full of knowledge. There was, they had an understanding of the scripture to that point, the centrality of Jesus. Spiritual growth and maturity were important to them. Knowledge was important, but they just didn't seek knowledge, but they sought knowledge so that they could apply it. In addition, they were able to teach, to admonish, to encourage one another. But Paul just didn't encourage them, but he also challenged them. Look at what he said in verse 15. Even so, I have been bold enough to write about some of these points, knowing that all you need is this reminder. I mean, from the beginning, Paul has been sharing with them doctrinal truths, realities of the gospel and the truth of the gospel. He started out in chapter one saying and declaring that he wasn't ashamed of the gospel because Paul knew that it was through the gospel that the power of God, it was the power of God into salvation. In chapter two and three, Paul reminded us that all of us are sinners, regardless of what you might think, that, that salvation, that we, that we all are sinners and that we need Jesus. We need, we need Jesus as a savior. Paul went on to say in chapter four that it's through Jesus that we're made right with God. In chapter five, that God doesn't love us because we're perfect people. I mean, I look across the audience, I don't see a lot of perfect, there's a couple of you but not very many. But God doesn't love us because we're perfect or because we do what's right, but he loves us in spite of that, that he, that he came and he demonstrated his love that while we were still in sin, that he would give his, his life. In chapters six through eight, we see this. Paul talks about our new identity in Christ, that Christ died, that he was buried, but he was resurrected from the dead through the power of the Holy Spirit. And just as when we give our lives to Christ and we commit our lives by faith, that we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we too, uh, the Holy Spirit enables us to live for God's glory and not our own. In chapter nine, we are encouraged that the fact that God's sovereignty and that he is a promise keeper. In chapter 10, that we are encouraged to be on mission and God's ambassador, that we are to be reconcilers, to proclaim the good news to the world so that others can be restored to God. In chapter 11, we saw that God has a plan for the church. In chapter 12, there was a turn and that we are to present ourselves as a sacrifice, 
not conformed to the world, but to be transformed by our minds, the renewing of our minds. Chapter 13, Paul said, look, be careful. You better respect authority. You better honor authority. You better submit to authority because remember where ultimate authority comes from. It comes from God, and God is the one who places it in position. In chapter 14, he reminds us about the strong and the weak, and the strong are not to to lord over them the, the, the freedoms that we have in Christ, but we're to use those freedoms to, to love those who are weaker for the unity of the body of Christ. And then in chapter 15, Paul reminds all of us that the believers at Rome, that, that not only to encourage them with these truths, but also to challenge them because it is so easy to lose sight of who we are and what we're about. Amen? You know, it's, it's easy to lose sight, isn't it? It's, it's, it's easy to lose sight that there's more to this life than this life. It's easy to lose sight that, that God's called us to be on mission. It's easy to lose sight and become distracted from that which we've been called to do. And instead of being the church, we get distracted doing the church. Are we on the same page? Verse 16, we see Paul talking about encouraging the believers at Rome to give God the glory, to give him the glory for the mission. Several times in chapter 16, verses 16 to 18, Paul refers to his ministry to the Gentiles and what God had commissioned him to do. Look at what he says in verse 16 and following. I, and by the way, make note of the numbers of times that Paul says, I or my. I am a special messenger from Christ Jesus to you Gentiles. I bring you the good news so that I might present you as an acceptable offering to God made holy by the Holy Spirit. So I have reason to be enthusiastic about all that Christ has done through me and my service to God. Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way that I worked among themselves. <laughs> I mean, you read it, you think, are you kidding? me. I mean, he sounds like he's stuck on himself, right? It's all about me and my, but he's referring to his ministry to the Gentiles here in the statements that Paul was making. They weren't statements to boast, but it was an affirmation about what God had called him to, the purpose that God had called him to, and the scope of his ministry, the largeness of his ministry. If you, if you read verse 19, you get a little bit bigger picture of, of the vastness of Paul's ministry in geographical terms when he talked about from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. Modern-day Croatia, let me put it in perspective. It's like from Pensacola all the way to Los Angeles, California. Now, see, I've made that trip before, and it's not the funnest of all trips. It's like three days at 60, no, 60, no, not 65, 70, maybe, maybe 80 miles an hour. It's a long haul. And here's Paul saying, here's the vastness of his, the scope of his ministry. And man, we struggle to share Jesus with somebody next door. And this is a man that's traveled 2,000 miles, 1,500 miles by, as the crow flies, but it's three days of travel by car. And Paul's saying, this is the scope, the vastness of the ministry that God has called him to, to cate the gospel. 
Paul said that everything was done wasn't for his glory, but it was for the glory of God, uh, glory of God. not I, but, but Christ. And the fact is that God just didn't call Paul to be on mission, but he called every one of us to be on mission, that you're on mission, that you are a missionary for God. Just look to the person on your left or right and say, um, you're on mission. You're on mission. It makes some of you nervous, don't it? You're on mission. But it's so easy to become distracted, to get sidetracked. But we've been called to be on mission. It's not about our talents, our abilities, but it's about God. And it's about His plan, not our plan. His agenda, not our agenda. His stuff, not our stuff. It's not about us. And then Paul goes on to say in verses 19 to 21, he talks about the method, the measure, and the motivation of his mission. Look at what he says. They, they were convinced of the power of the miraculous signs and wonders and the powers of God's Spirit in this way. I have, been, I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard. Rather than where a church has already been started by someone else, I've been following the plan spoken of in the scriptures where it says, there ha there, those who have never been told about him will see, and those who've never heard about him will understand. And Paul was talking about the fact that his ministry and his mission, the, the, what he was on, what he was about, was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't just what, what Paul was doing that was empowered by the Holy Spirit but it was also evidenced in the work of the early church. If you go back and you look at what Luke recorded in the book of Acts, you see the early church and you see how God, how the early church exploded because, man, the gospel was being preached. People were gathering. They were, they were having fellowship. They were, they were loving one another. There was, there was times of prayer and there was times of spending time in the word. And there were people on the outside that was looking on the inside and they were seeing what was going on. See, people aren't looking for another religion. People are looking for something different. That's what they're looking for. So you want to invite somebody to church? Why do you want to invite somebody to church if they don't see anything different in you? Why do they want what you got? If they don't see anything different in you, why do they want to go where you're going if you're not getting anything from it? That's a woe is me, isn't it? And yet how many people on the outside are dying and they're hopeless and they're looking for somebody and yet when they look at those of us that say, I love Jesus, yes I do, I love Jesus, how about you? And they're going, man, you got to be kidding me. People aren't looking for another religion. They aren't looking for another set of rules. They're looking for life change. They're looking for hope. And they were seeing that as a result of that, the gospel was exploding and people's lives were changing there in Jerusalem in and around it. They were being impacted. People were coming to faith and trusting Jesus. And that same spirit that was with Paul and that same spirit that was with the early church is the same spirit that we have access to today. The same exact spirit. Touching the lives of people, bringing those that are, that are in sin, conviction of sin and brokenness and healing the hearts and the lives of people. Every day we ought to be on the lookout for opportunities to be on mission. Every day we ought to recognize and understand that, man, God's got a plan for me. 
As I wake up in the morning, I don't know what you think about, but let me just ask the question. What is it that gets you up in the morning? What is your motivation? Is it fame? Is it fortune? Is it that next paycheck? Is it that next position? What is it that gets you up in the morning? Is it a, is it a oh my goodness gracious, I wonder if, if hell explodes. Watch out, that joker's up. Are we thinking about other people in that moment in time when we rise from the bed? Are we thinking about God's got what he's got in, in mind for us for that day? Are we thinking about me and my and I? Do we think about the world and the people around us that are living in darkness? Do we think about those who are desiring to know Jesus personally and are hungering for somebody to be, that's willing to just sit down and have a conversation? It's funny because I was at this place when I, was, when I was walking through this a while back, and I, I, get, this, uh, I get this text, and uh, the text said something like this, I, I need to talk to you because I've been impressed upon my heart, it's been impressed upon my heart today that I need to call this person because I heard their story yesterday in the midst of a conversation with some guys and I heard what they're walking through and I need to contact them because I need to share with them my story and what God has done in my life and what's taking place at this moment in time. See, that, that's somebody that's looking. That's somebody that's thinking about what God is doing. That's somebody that's trying to be intentional. They're, they're looking for ways that they can share the hope of Christ. And every day we have opportunities like that if we're just willing to be intentional and look for them. Every day there's people around us that we come in contact with. Maybe it's in the workplace. Maybe it's, maybe it's in the home. And people are waiting and they want to know. What is it that makes us different? The gospel message is about that all humanity is separated from God because of our sin. But the good news is Jesus. Jesus. Would you say that this morning? The good news is Jesus. Would you say that again? The good news is Jesus. See, that's the good news. The good news is not the name of a church. The good news is not the name of a certain practice or denomination. The good news is Jesus and Jesus alone. It's Jesus. That's where our hope See, when's the last time, instead of using social media to take a picture of what you had for supper last night and putting it out there, I do that sometimes, y'all. <laughs> Especially when it's something that's really good and I just I want to show out for somebody, you know what I'm saying? You got to take pictures of but instead of taking a picture of what maybe you had for supper last night, what about, how, what about talking about what Jesus is doing in your life instead? What about the, what the Holy Spirit is teaching you? What, is, what about those things that instead of posting about, you know, where you're going on vacation, what about posting something about Jesus and his goodness and his blessings? Amen? Yeah. Paul said in verse 20 that the, his intent wasn't to go where the gospel had already been, but his mindset was to go to places where there was no presence of the gospel. That's, that's probably hard for some of us in this room to think about that because, I mean, we grew up, most of us, in a place where there's a church around every corner. And yet, even in the midst of the steeples today, there's people in the shadows of the steeple that don't know Jesus. Isn't that sad? But there are places around the world that I have been, and there are places that you're involved because of your generosity, that we have the privilege of partnering with people in places that it is dark and there is no presence of the gospel. 
That's a privilege that we have to be involved in taking the, play, taking the gospel to places that it's never been heard. In verse 21, Paul quotes from the Old Testament where he says, I have, I've been following the plan spoken of in the scriptures where it says those who have never been told about him will see and those who've never heard about him will understand. There are those that haven't heard the gospel, but they will one day hear and they'll have the privilege of sharing the gospel with others and prayerfully seeing others come to know and believe. We have the joy of joining God in what he is doing and being on mission. We have the privilege of being his ambassador, his billboard day in and day out, reminding people that there is no hope, that no other hope is there than Jesus' blood and his righteousness, that that, that, foundation, that foundation is strong and secure. That when you, you build a house on that, on that rock, that it's okay, that when the winds come and the storms blow, that it's going to be all right. Paul is saying, look, this is my motivation. It's what I do, what I, that's why I do what I do. And then look at what he says as he talks about his mission plans in the following verses. He said, in fact, my visit to you has been delayed so long. I've wanted to come to you, but I've been delayed. I've been held back because I've been preaching in those places. But now I've finished my work in those regions. And after these long years of waiting, I mean, this has been something that had been on his mind for quite some time. And he said, but after all these long years of waiting, I am eager to visit you. I am planning to go to Spain. And when I do, I'm going to stop off and I'm going to see you guys in Rome. And after I've enjoyed your fellowship for a little while, you can provide for my journey. And he talks about the future. Paul is saying that this is, this is what's going on. This is the direction I'm headed. At the moment, Paul was in Corinth and his plan was, um, his plans that when he left, that he was going to head to Spain. But in the meantime, he would stop off and, and roam. And Paul would eventually go to Rome, but not the way that he planned. <laughs> if you know the story, he wouldn't, make, he wouldn't make it to Rome based on his plans. And he would arrive, he would bring the gospel with him. And though, even though his plans had changed, his intent, his intentions never changed to advance the gospel of Christ. Even though it wasn't his plans, even though it wasn't his plans and what he wanted to do, he was still faithful to the task of what God had called him to. I mean, how many of us are living day in and day out and we don't even think about the mission of God? I'm not talking about being, you know, going to church and I'm not, I'm not talking about the religious activities that we participate in, but I'm talking about being on mission for God, making Jesus known to the world around us. I've said this earlier and I'll say it again. You know, you don't have to go overseas to be on mission all you have to do is walk outside these doors. That's it. We read in Paul's letter, we can recognize that he was very intentional. He was very intentional about advancing the kingdom of God. And he had gone beyond, um, and, and he was all about advancing God's kingdom beyond where he had gone until this point. And all of this, all of this intentionality flowed out of his heart for the Lord because he, he, knew, he knew the Lord. And he knew the difference that God had made in his, his life. See, that's what happens. See, that's what helps us become intentional is when, when you have understood, when you've accepted and you've come to understand the hope that we have in Christ, then there's something that happens within you because you want somebody else. Listen, if you, one of you were to win a million dollars, you mean to tell me you wouldn't be out telling everybody about it? 
When you understand the significance and the hope that comes through knowing Jesus, we want to share that with other people. And Paul shared the plans about the future, but he also shared about some of his present plans. Look in verses 25 to 29. But before I come, I must go to Jerusalem to take a gift to the believers there. For you see, the believers in Macedonia and Archaeum have eagerly taken up an offering for the poor among the believers in Jerusalem. I love that word, eagerly taken up an offering. You know, often we think about reluctantly taking up an offering. One of the things I love about you is I love your generosity. You know, here it was, we set a goal, and I don't know how many times you guys over-exceed that multiple times. You're very generous people. But he says, eagerly take up an offering for the poor among the believers in Jerusalem. They were glad to do this because they felt that they owed a debt to them. Since the Gentiles received the spiritual blessings of the good news from the believers in Jerusalem, they felt that the least they could do was return, in return was to help them financially. As soon as I have delivered this money and completed this good work and deed of theirs, I will come to see you on my way to Spain. And I am sure that when I come, Christ will richly bless our time together. So Paul's immediate plan was to go from Corinth, where he was in this, to the city of Jerusalem. He was going to bring financial support that he had received from Macedonia and Achaia. And then, um, then what he was going to do is he was going to turn around and he was going to leave and he was going to head back north. But that isn't what took place. That's not what really what happened. You know, the story Paul's plans were altered. I mean, because when he got to Jerusalem, there was, there was a, a crowd of people that were waiting for him there. In Acts chapter 20, when it talks the fact, the fact that a riot broke out and those that opposed him wanted to kill him, he knew that up front. He knew there would be trouble if he were to go back. And to protect him, Luke says, and he records, that they had to take Paul and they had to lift him above the crowd. And then Paul was put on several different trials, but in every one of those trials, he had an opportunity to share his testimony of what Christ had done in his life. Eventually, Paul would appeal to Caesar so that he would be taken to Rome, and he was escorted to Rome in chapter 28. We see that he, while he was awaiting trial under guard, that he was again sharing his testimony. Every place he went, it wasn't woe is me, but man, the power of the, the, power of the Spirit. I mean, it was always about what God was doing. Not woe is me. You know, has it ever dawned on you that, man, sometimes the, the difficulties that we experience in life are opportunities for others to see Christ in us? See, our faith at some point will be tested. In those moments of testing is when it shows up whether and how, how, how strong we are in our faith or how weak we are in our faith. In those times of testing, guess who's watching? Those on the outside that are looking on the inside wanting to know if what you believe is really true. So after Paul passing Paul around multiple times, he was taken to Caesar and he was taken there and he had that right because he was a Roman citizen. And he was escorted to Rome and in chapter 28, while he was awaiting trial, he again shares his testimony of the gospel and what God had been doing. And while Paul was up underneath arrest, testimony after testimony after testimony he would give of what God was doing. And it was there while he was in prison that Paul would write what we know as the prison epistles. The, the, the letters of Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and Philemon, all the while testifying of the goodness of God while he was there and the salvation that was available to all. Look it down at verse 30. Paul's prayer for success. Underline the times that you see the word prayer or pray. 
Dear brothers and sisters, I urge you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Do this because of your love for me, given to you by the Holy Spirit. Pray that I will be rescued from those in Judea. He knew. Judea who refused to obey God. Pray also for the believers that they will be willing to accept the donation I am taking to Jerusalem. Then by the will of God, I will be able to come to you with a joyful heart and will be an encouragement to each other. And now may the God who gives us peace be with you all. So here we see Paul, that, that word pray or prayer mentioned multiple times. Do you think prayer is important? Why was Paul saying pray? Because he knew that if he was going to be about God's business, he knew that the enemy was going to be upset. Are you with me? See, see when you, you want to be about God's business, you need to be, make sure that you're on your knees because when you're about God's business, the enemy is not happy. See, some of you may be undergoing um, issues in life right now because you're trying everything you can to live for Jesus. You need people lifting you up and supporting you. I am so thankful to have people that text me all the time, said, I want you to know, praying for you. I'm praying for you, and I'm praying for your kids. We pray for you as a staff. But you, you are such a, a faithful people to text us to say or to call to say, I just want you to know you're in our prayers. If there's one thing that I know right now is the devil sure isn't happy right now with what's going on around this place because there are people that are, that are broken. There are people that are, that are crying out and, and under conviction of sin and saying, I want to repent and I want to turn to Jesus. Man, the devil is not happy. He's not happy about those that are wanting to go outside and be faithful to sharing Christ with others. He's not happy about that. And so I know that there's opposition, and we need to be on our, on our knees in prayer. We need to be praying for one another. The enemy is not happy because we are focused in trying to do everything that we can to carry out the mission that God has given us. And in those moments and times when we face that opposition, when it comes, we don't have to run. Man, we don't have to turn tail and go the opposite direction. We don't have to make up excuses about what's taking place. But what we can do is we can be reminded of God's sufficiency and His sovereignty and His power and His grace. And that whatever situation we may have faced, that God's nothing's too big for Him. Amen. Nothing's too big. That He loves us and He cares for us. And Paul says, listen, will you pray with me? Will you pray for me, church? And then he finishes up in verse 33. And now may God who gives us his peace be with you all. It's not peace that comes because of the absence of conflict. It's not peace that comes because of the absence of difficulty or adversity. But it's a peace that comes because of the presence of your daddy. To some of you, that's repulsive. For me to say that is repulsive because of the relationship and the character of the father, your earthly father. Some of you might say, well, Sid, how could you say something like that? You don't know my dad and what I was raised with and the foolishness or my, my mom. I understand that and for that I'm sorry. I wasn't raised that way. I had a mom and dad who loved us, that I could trust, that were people who loved Jesus. I didn't say they were perfect people. Mom, if you're listening to me, I know you're not perfect. 
but they were trustworthy. And see, the more time you spend with the Lord and the more time you get to know Him and the more time you sit in His presence, the more you're able to understand and to know without a shadow of a doubt that God is trustworthy and that He's a promise keeper. And in the midst of that, there's a sense of peace that comes that reminds me from the passage of Scripture we ended with last week. In verse 13, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Mission, it's a privilege for us to be a part of that. I love what we do at Beyond the Walls, but we don't do what we do at Beyond the Walls just to feed the hungry. We do what we do at Beyond the Walls so that we can feed them physically, so that we can minister to them spiritually and tell them about Jesus. I love the mobile dental clinic and the privilege we have of pulling teeth. And I need to do that one day. I wonder if there's some kind of special training I have to do that. <laughs> Filling cavities. But we don't do that just to fill cavities or pull teeth. We do that so that it gives us an opportunity to share Christ's love. I, I, I love the privilege we have of, of, uh, of, of giving to, to Bless Fruitland Park and to our local school, but we don't do that just so that we can say, look how much we gave. We do that so that we can open up doors for us to, to be able to share Christ and rub elbows with people who don't know Jesus. I love the privilege we have to serve with our children and youth on Wednesday nights. But when you're serving our children or youth on Wednesday nights or Sundays, you aren't just filling a spot, but you're serving those children with the opportunity of being on mission and sharing Jesus Christ. Amen? It's not about all the things we have to do, but before we can do, we must first be. Those of us that call ourselves the church, we got a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. It's an opportunity, it's a privilege to do and to be on mission. But maybe you're here today and you've never are listening to my voice and you've never made a decision to trust Jesus. I say this and I say it again this morning. What is it that keeps you from making the most important decision of your life? To follow Jesus and to say yes to him. I know what it is. It's the fact that if you're refusing to follow him and to trust him, it's because you think you, think you don't need him. I'm praying at some point in time that you're going to meet him face to face and you're going to realize you can't live without him. Jesus, today as we leave this place, thank you for being here. Thank you for, for Brecklin's baptism, for the presence of incredible music this morning for the participation in communion that reminds us of the unity, Father, that is desired and that is expected inside of the body of Christ. And what a way to finish it up with listening at what Paul had to say of being on mission. May we be motivated that as believers we have the responsibility but also the privilege to be your representatives. Help us not to take that lightly. Even today, 
may we be thinking this week about how you're going to use us to bring hope to others around us. Thank you, Jesus, for the reading of your word today. It is powerful. It is what has the power to change lives, not any creative story we may have. Help us to join you, and in doing so, <laughs> Jesus, may our communities be changed. May our lives be changed. And may there be a sense of satisfaction that comes from knowing and following and obeying you. In Jesus' name, amen.